0: What that is? Everything. Anglo thieves. Gettle's gone? Oh my god, you people have just failed me, failed me utterly. Congratulations, Scotland, we have just gone through so the That just explains so much of my childhood to me. For research purposes? It's super important.
1: I hear an awful lot of judgment in your voice. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 65 of anglo Fees. The Olympics have been over for a couple of weeks, but our trash-talking has not. Hi, I'm Ray. <laughs> hey,
2: We're Lin- gonna get
1: that gold medal back this next Olympics, you'll see! Elena <laughs> is mourning the loss of her two... Gold medals in Olympic hockey. Canada won none gold medals. None. Well the US won well one. But Canada won none is the important part. Are you actually wearing like a black veal
3: right now? <laughs> I'm so ashamed. Oh, and, and and if you think Raiden has let me live a doubt that you don't know her. No,
1: no, no. If you didn't think that the very first thing I did when I woke up and went oh who won the women's hockey gold last night or oh, the US oh Alina how'd that gold medal game go for you yeah I like rolled over put on my glasses pulled out my phone and started the trash talking because that's how we roll here
3: I woke up. I remember in the middle of the night that night. Checked Twitter like moments, you know, for the update. Saw that we lost. and was like, "Whoop! There's no point getting up this morning."
2: <sighs> mm.
3: We won some medals. Yes, yep. yes, we're very proud because Great Britain is on the medal board officially with yep. the gold, with the gold and four bronzes,
1: five medals. It's very good.
0: Yeah, and we only had to borrow like one American for it.
3: That's okay. The rest of the world borrows heavily from everywhere.
0: <laughs> See, we're just going back to that colonialism thing since it seemed to work very well for us the first time.
3: Luckily. Cool. Germany very proudly won the Paris Figure Skating Gold. I love it,
0: them. That was so awful. With a Ukrainian and a Frenchman, so that was. <laughs> That was one of the like the uh, talking about emotional moments in the Olympics. Even oh. I got caught up in that one. It was like, <laughs>
3: oh, like, they're so happy and sad, and why is see French? I don't care. It's just when I uh, I rewatched that. Well, multi- uh, trust me, I watched it like five times at home, and then I happened to watch it on Russian coverage instead of Canadian. And the Russian commentator, and I don't remember who she is, but I'm pretty sure she used to be a coach. But after they skated, she was sobbing, saying, "I'm so blessed I got to witness that." Oh. <laughs> I mean, when the Russians are even in
1: board
0: of this, that's great. (laughs) We have many things to talk about with the the Russians. Oh, well, we've got an expert for that, so that's okay. Uh, So, do we want to, were the names of them? So, it was Bruno Massot and... Adonis So, And and she's been competing for a while, and this is her first gold. And (laughs) he was incredibly relieved that he'd helped her win it, because they're... um, I think their their first round at it wasn't so good. He missed a jumper didn't
3: yeah, so turn he, properly and she skated uh she's got every single medal under the sun except specifically Olympic gold. She's got Olympic medals. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't have the gold. Uh her she skated for Ukraine with a Ukrainian partner. Her most her like biggest successes came in Germany with Robin Sholkovay, who is now coaching the Russians. He was working as a coach in Russia. Um, but Robin retired, and she just wasn't ready to let go. This is her first Olympic with a new partner. France almost didn't let him go because they had to release him from the French Federation of the International like Sk- Ice Skating Federation. Almost didn't release him. And then he failed the German citizenship exam like three times. <laughs> Because <laughs> you failed the language. Yeah, language.
1: he he got his German citizenship, what, like November?
3: Yeah, like right, nick of time, like kind of close. And then he popped a jump in the short program and they were fourth going in. And he apparently gave an interview where he went, I can't be the reason she gets another bronze. It's true. So this, this is her
1: fifth Olympics. Yeah. She'd gotten two bronzes and was determined and like I had to face sort of my own internalized misogyny because during this short I was like god five times like this bitch like what the fuck and then I was like why am I why am I doing that why am I thinking that because I'm being like oh a woman who is actively expressing ambition is automatically less than that. and I'm like no you know what y- you you got to stop that once i actively examined myself and went this is dumb why are you doing this then i stopped and that's how you do that and and the
3: free skate was beautiful
0: oh my god
3: breathtaking
1: Yes.
0: For a while, like this was the only thing Britain had to claim as a victory because it was choreographed by Christopher Dean of Dean. Mm-hmm. So Claire Balding, who was like our head commentator, was like, "Oh, it's a British victory as well, you know." We can, we can claim it, and it's just like, okay, maybe a little bit. But even Christopher sure. Dean looked embarrassed by her talking about this. He's just like, "This is just what I do, man. This is just my job." They were very my nice, job. but you know, they did the skating. Um,
3: I believe she's married to a, a British
0: um, guy, so there you can semi-claim her. I mean we'll take it i mean if she's wanting any other countries on the go we'll take that as well my favorite thing one of my favorite things about this a number of things if you go on bruno massot's instagram page it's just like look i'm german now yay deutschland i'm very happy to be german <laughs> it's just like you still look like the most french man you know like if you turned around and turned it you had a berry i wouldn't be surprised um I, and i also just loved that the cried very openly and then when mm-hmm. she kind of realized she stood up and just went yes <laughs> which is very sweet i think
1: megan Dumal went over to her and said you fucking did it mm-hmm.
3: because <laughs> they sweet, sweet. the top three at any given moment have this lounge and um the three who actually ended up on the podium um were in the lounge already because the couple who skated last ended up falling to fourth. It was the Russians who completely, well, she, the woman of the pair completely fell apart. It was their first Olympic, I believe. Mm-hmm. So they're all already in there. And periodically the camera would cut back and show us. And Bruno's just like, looks like he's about to hurl. Like he, yeah. <laughs> he, he could not handle it. I know that's her first Olympics. She's sitting there like on her, whatever. <laughs> She's on her phone. She's like, doop, 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 doop.
1: What's going on? Still in first cool. <laughs> well, Bruno's like I'm
0: going to die. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, I love a an openly emotional male Olympian. <laughs> so let's talk about Adam Rippon. <laughs> you oh. know what? You know what? As the kids say, he brought it. Not just like as an athlete, just in terms of like sheer. Sat. Andrea is like, pretty awesome. <laughs> if you you
3: should try it if you get the chance. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, there is a man who woke up every morning saying, "How can I piss off Mike Pence and be my best self?" <laughs> and how can I possibly get get on with Sally Field's kid? <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, that, that was, that was so adorable.
3: How they, they actually met? <laughs>
0: yeah. So
3: Tess and Scott, we have a lot of thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm.
0: So does Tumblr.
3: <laughs> I I actually kind of lost my shit for a while because you know again we we're having so many people retire by the way like almost all of them but Tess and Scott were the Canadian flag bearers we're all very happy uh, again and you know they they skated great there was the team competition at first so we got to see them skate uh, multiple times but you know it's like the world discovered uh, this pair they're they're the ice dancers sorry for anybody who doesn't follow they're the Canadian. Dancers, they won the gold.
1: In Vancouver. They yeah. won gold in Vancouver. They won the silver in Sochi. And they retired for a little bit. And then they were like, you know what? I want
3: another gold. Let's do the thing. <laughs> As one does. I just kind of want another Olympic gold medal. Let's go get it. They won two because the team, the Canadian team, won the gold. They were yeah. silver medalists in Sochi, which was the very first Olympics where a team happened. And they were kind of the favorites coming in here simply because their strength was across the disciplines and not a lot of other competitors uh, had, like, the full four set, even though Patrick Chan, I, you know, a little bit heartbreaking. But he is at well, the tail we'll end. We'll get to
1: Patrick. We'll yeah. To
3: Patrick. Anyway, so Tess and Scott, you know, Tumblr explodes. Look at how sexy they are. Look at all the gifs of, uh, you know – all the the tricks they execute which brings them close physically together and and it's basically like the supernatural you know the one thing where it's like nobody can possibly do this and not be in love like whether they are or aren't they've been asked they gave their answer and you're like fuck off yeah (laughs) just 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 bring it down
0: like you know stop it (laughs) I, mean, I don't know about you, but I've had colleagues over numbers of years and I've never fell in love with any of them. That That's really not how it works. Granted, I don't spin around in sequins to Moulin Rouge, but, you know, it's acting kids. Try it. Yeah. I, I was immensely uncomfortable with a lot of those conversations. And I'm not even anti-real-person shipping, like, but there's a difference between like, hey, I would quite like to write cute little stories or do fan art of these people and they must be together. I will not accept another reality where they're not. Because no one's ever going to live up to that fantasy That you've created for them no. Sure, I imagine a bunch of people are in the process Of writing romance novels about it now
3: mm-hmm. I do
0: know there are a couple ice skating romance series One of which is set in Russia And has terrible Russian typeface Which I, I think Alina must have re- already be annoyed by She mm-hmm. is,
3: she is, I've sure shown it to <laughs> Oh, Oh,
1: right, oh, yeah, yeah, sure,
0: yeah. I had the pleasure Yeah, I, I have great friends <laughs> um, But, you know you know, Keep that to yourself You know, go Enjoy that for what it is Don't like scream at these people on Twitter or things like that. It's like sports Twitter is weird.
3: How can you call yourself a fan when you're all you're doing is essentially mm. calling them liars? Like that's how yeah. you were a fan. Oh, that and it like I saw so much crossing a line that made me so uncomfortable. Like it, it's they don't owe it to you. They just don't. Even if they are
0: together, they still don't owe it to you to be open about it. No, I think that's what got me. Is like, why does this matter to you? I mean, yeah, it would be cute if it was real, but they've already talked very openly about, like, the kind of pressure that people put on them for that. Mm-hmm. As have a number of, you know, celebrity pairings who are in, you know, who play romantic pairings on TV shows or films or whatever and have to deal with this. To give a recent example, Katriana Balfi from Outlander is getting married. Mm-hmm. Not to Sam Hewen, and some of her fans cannot handle this. No... Yeah, it's... Just
3: don't be those people, okay? Yeah, it's it's not really being a fan. Like, when you're a fan, you support them.
0: Yes. I mean, what are they expecting? So they'll just, like, start fucking on the ice?
3: Yeah? Yeah, basically. Like, basically, like, start fucking in the kiss and cry, I think. Like, it's, uh, yay, like, we won the gold. Let's declare our love
0: for all the world. Like, it's not a movie. I'm kind of hoping there is a ice skating romance novel where they do fuck on the ice. <laughs> Must happen. I feel like the grade
1: of execution on that would probably fuck up their scores.
0: There's <laughs> just a guy in the side with
3: like cards that read nine point eight. Remember that in ice dancing, he's not allowed to lift her like above his shoulders. They're yeah, they're gonna have to be very careful about their positioning. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's only so much two-footed skating they're allowed to do. There's logistics in play here. Yeah. You know what was kind of weird throughout the whole figure skating? It's realizing that I'm now so old, I'm so ancient, but that a lot of the skaters that I've been for my life, at least half my life, have now retired and become skaters and recognized. But this, yeah. It's just like, wow, I've been, I've been following.
1: Yeah. It was also fun to watch the coaches play musical jackets because they were coaching so many athletes from different
3: countries. <laughs> and by coaches, we mean Brian Orsa or oh, my God.
1: Yes, there was a, there was a pairs or an ice dance coach who was doing the same thing.
3: It's just, I think Orsa must have had at least like two dozen different ones. Like just, can we just put patches on his coat? Like, I don't know where he I, I'm just imagining all. it,
0: like, with the Benny Hill music playing. It's just, like, <laughs> running from, like, rink to rink, just changing jackets, but nobody actually knowing. <laughs> that makes it much funnier. <laughs>
3: and it's a little awkward because some of the skaters had to go to the Kiss and Cry without the coach because the coach was there at the boards with the next competitor because they're their coach too. But obviously the skaters know this going in. It was really cute when in the men's Yuzuru Hanyu won the gold On a, like, an ankle that he couldn't feel Because that's what Yuzuru does He just like, shoot me up doc Time to win a gold medal shoot, shoot, shoot me up with my
0: perfectly illegal drugs Yeah <laughs> We'll talk about that Did too. you see the, the one uh, I was going to say Russian curler But an independent Olympic athlete From Russia Who was a curler who had a t-shirt saying that he didn't dope And then he got caught doping
3: uh, that, They were a Paris with his wife they got their medal taken away. And by the way, if you think I haven't beaten the, like, independent athlete from Russia joking to the ground over, then you don't follow me on Twitter. we
0: have been greatly enjoying that.
3: But, yeah, but with Brian Orson, Yuzuru Hanyu, he also coaches Javier Fernandez, who got his bronze. And uh, Shoma, oh, I can't remember his last name off the top of my head. I don't have the names up. Uh, won the silver. But, like, Yuzuru and Javi, they've trained together, so they're, like, hugging each other, like, I love you, man, we did it! <laughs> Shelma's and like Oyster is taking photos
0: of them from behind. Shelma's a little off to the side, like yay. He, that's, that is the new you're doing amazing, sweetie. Uh, meme for yes <laughs> for, for, t- for Twitter. <laughs> okay, can someone please explain to me why they throw Winnie the Poohs at that one Japanese guy? Because yeah. he loves Winnie the Pooh. He has a he, he has really a tissue it. box
3: and like a Winnie tissue box, right? Like the the cozy. It has a Twitter yeah. account. Okay. Of course it has a Twitter account. It it travels with him everywhere. I'm kind of feeling like maybe he's grown out of it, and that would be sad. I was just watching that guy. I was like, oh, so that's why that Yuri on Ice show exists. (laughs) (laughs) Courtney Milan did an entire analysis of why if you think that Yuzuru is Yuri, then you're wrong and kind of (laughs) racist. By the way, if you follow Courtney Milan for romance, also follow her for figure skating because she goes like oh, she so she analytical. does deep
1: dives. <laughs> she deep dives. She before the men's competition started because the the great shining hope of the U.S. team was um, Nathan Chen.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh.
1: And he's 17 and he hadn't lost a single competition He'd been entered in this year Except that UZERO was out for a lot of the year Um, But Nathan can do quad after quad after quad And the US media was like He is practically guaranteed an Olympic gold medal At which point the rest of the world was like Okay And Courtney was like okay, well, figure skating is a sport of math, so let's do the math. (laughs) And let's look at the potential score that Nathan can get if he does all of his planned elements perfectly and the potential score that Yuzuru can, can get. And let's look at their top scores for the year and see how that stacks up. And the answer was no, all things being equal, Nathan could not be Yuzuru.
3: So <clears throat> Yuzuru came to these Olympics because a man hasn't won back-to-back gold medals since 1952 and he just felt like doing it and he did it because that's what happens when you don't abruptly leave Brian Orser after your first medal, Unicam. <laughs> I hold grudges when it comes. Y- yeah.
0: <laughs> Can I just say how delighted I was by that one ice skater who skated to Star Wars music? Yeah, <laughs> like when the Mo's Isley Cantina started playing, and he's just going do 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 and it it was, was like, a... "Oh, this is the best thing ever." It wasn't. He <laughs> so yeah. happy. Was it so? I don't.
3: There were some. Oh, we should talk about the music because there were bright spots, like the Star Wars medley. But there's I think... ACDC. <laughs> I think we need to retire Carmen Girls. I like. We need... we... We've done Carmen. Everybody has done Carmen. You... Yes.
0: Can we end like hal- Hallelujah? As yes, well. <sighs> all versions of it.
1: All of them. Even the Katie Lang, even the Leonard Cohen, especially the
0: Jeff Buckley. Could you imagine skating to the entire Leonard Cohen song full? <laughs> 23 <laughs> minutes later? They're, they're, she's still at it. Nope. She, she's looking a bit knackered now. <sighs> <laughs> There's also so <clears throat> the Russian
3: girls are some doing things in the lady skating. And the current Russian school of thought seems to be, you know, all the edges. So do all your jumps in the second half because you get the 10% bump. Jump with the hand over the head because you get a, a score bump. And uh, Kurt Browning is one of my mm-hmm. commentators at CBC, and he just cannot with the arm over the head. He hates it. He hates it. <laughs> He, he is really strongly like opposed. He's like they need to take away like the score bump because it looks so bad. But of course they're doing it because when the you know the distance between gold and silver is half a point, <laughs> you take every score bump you can get. Scoring, you know, you'd think after we moved away from like the six point the scoring controversies would die down. But I saw so much because Olympics is when people who kind of who don't follow the sport who just watch it like essentially rooting for their country come out and they don't know anything about scoring so when they're like that guy fell why was he scored higher than the guy who didn't fall and you're like I can't explain it to you anymore I'm screaming into the void (laughs) Because rotating a jump and falling, yes, is worth more than landing a jump of lesser rotation. And if you think that's bad, then you know what? It's a lot easier for athletes than back when they didn't know how the judges were going to score them. It's true. Back in the bad old days, in the truly
1: bad old days, we had ordinals where the judges would give you your score from one to six and then say... I would put you in first place. Not after everybody has gone, but like based on, I don't know, some magic psychic one or
3: two they pulled out of their ass. Yeah, they they got up on the wrong side of the bed that day. So you didn't rotate a jump. They, they don't score you. On the other hand, the next competition they score, eh, you rotate it. I don't care that you fall. Like it's. Yeah. Which is how Sarah
1: Hughes got the gold medal in is that Salt Lake?
3: Um, yeah, I think, it was, right. I think Lake. it was Salt Lake, yeah. It was
1: 2002 in Salt Lake, yeah. and Michelle Kwan was the expected winner, and then Sarah Hughes somehow, through the magic of ordinals, pulled it out, and like, if you ask anyone to explain how that works, they can't. And it is weirder and more esoteric than it was now. So... It is more complicated, but less hand wavy and random.
3: And sure, you could, there's, there's ways you can prove a lot of people aren't fans of, you know, all the jumps in the second half getting higher scores, because then the athletes who are physically capable of it will have unbalanced programs. But they can regulate that in the same way that the short program now says, like, you get three jumping passes, you know, this is what you, the order you do them. Like, you can say that X jumps have to be in the first half or whatever if you wanted to change the system that way. As long as there is a very distinct way to score things because it is, after all, a sport. Mm -hmm. And I don't, the system wasn't better when you had one person with like who learned the quad and just jumped the same quad eight times in a program. Just hoping to get points on, on jumping ability. Like it wasn't better because you can't compare that program to somebody who has a wide variety of triples and combinations. Mm-hmm. Professional grade analysis right here at Angla fees.
1: <laughs> that, that's what y'all come here for people. That's what <sighs> y'all come here for. When the skating started, I had four things on my wish list. I had I wanted Adam Rippin to have the best goddamn skate of his life and he did. I wanted Nathan Chen to come out of this experience especially after he sort of crumbled in the short and the team competition and then completely like fell apart during his the individual short. I wanted him to come out of this experience psychologically okay
3: and not like Yulia Lipnitskaya poor girl. Yeah.
1: Yes, Um, and I think he did because he totally redeemed himself during his long skate. It's kind of amazing what you can do when you don't have the pressure of the entire U.S. media machine on your shoulders. Like I can't win, so I'm not gonna lose. And he he fucking threw down. I really wanted the shib sibs, and I really hope that your husband is still wandering around the the house going (laughs) shib shib sibs shib sibs. (laughs) <laughs> I wanted those Shibitani kids to get an individual medal, which they did.
0: And Can I just say the British media were really weird about those two? I believe it. Like, it's like they couldn't get over the fact that it was siblings doing it together. I doing it's maybe the wrong, the wrong phrase there. But they, they really couldn't shake the fact they found it creepy. Like they were pretty open about the fact that they, they said, oh, well, a lot of people, they just they rubbed them the wrong way. And they really just what they wanted to say was, we think this is creepy. OK, mm-hmm. but Great Britain really doesn't
3: have a leg to stand on because I remember the sibling ice dancing team you guys had like two Olympics ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, Oh, we don't. I mean, we haven't really done ice skating since Starville and Dean. Like we know that. Oh my god! The, the, I mean, we were just like for the until we actually won a medal, which took a while. We were just kind of like both grasping at straws and kind of passive aggressive.
1: <laughs> it's exactly what I expect from Great Britain.
0: The best, the highlight for me was uh, so uh, curling was actually invented in Scotland. Uh, you other countries have gotten better, right? And how did the fucking America get good at curling? I don't want know. Anyway, so <laughs> we were watching doing a segment on that, and one of the commentators. Was uh, Rona Martin, who won the gold for Scotland for the UK in, I want to say, uh, two or three Winter Olympics ago? Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, huge deal. for us first time we'd won a gold in a long time. Mm-hmm. So she's been commentating. And the thing about curling in the UK is it's really like a quite a dynastic sport. If you're in certain families, you know. So, like, the it's like the Muirheads basically run curling in Scotland as a family. And the two teams this year were made up primarily of members of, like, two or three different families. So, while Rona Martin was commentating on this, she referred to the team as the Scottish team, because they are all from Scotland. And mm-hmm. Claire Balding, the head commentator, really passive-aggressively said, well, of course, they're representing Great Britain this year, aren't they? And the look that Rona Martin gave her was the ultimate nip old scottish woman face. <laughs> I love that it. was crazy. I'm gonna fucking chib you at the back door later, darling. It was <laughs> <laughs> I, knew they, I knew you'd enjoy that. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> but it was but the thing was you could sense the tension between these two for like the remainder of the games. Like they did not want to be in the same room as one another. <laughs> it was beautiful. Uh, neither of our curling teams won, unfortunately. But for that beautiful shining moment, Scotland had glory. <sighs> so the the fourth thing that I wanted out of
1: the skating was for Mariah Nagasu to get an individual medal. and she did not she she landed a triple axle in the team competition, and the u s got the bronze, which was great. and she's the first u s woman to land a triple axle in Olympic competition. But she kind of fell apart during the individual competition because it was like nine days later and
3: Yeah, uh, my commentator team mentioned that the women kind of get the short end of the stick when it comes to uh, scheduling because they skate first in team and last in individual. Mm -hmm. So everybody else is just better spaced out where they get to essentially start the Olympics because team happens in the very first two days and like women happen in the very last. So they literally just sit there for like a week and a half in between. Yeah, you get to practice, but it's still...
1: yeah and in Vancouver she came in fourth which she was thrilled by because she did not expect to place that high and i was like come on girl maybe maybe you can you can squeak out a bronze out of this and she could not and it was sad it's a dense field for women it is a dense field for women and the us we just have not been strong in skating we've been okay we've been we've done fairly well for ourselves in ice dance
2: mm-hmm.
1: but in pairs we only have our or one pair and our guys we have plenty of guys but they they just can't hold up with the rest of the pack hence why everyone was like oh my god nathan chen oh. <laughs>
3: It's it's interesting one of the discussions that my commentators gave me was like what happened like you know why do some countries you look at their individual skaters and go well they're fine like where's their pairs and they were talking about what it takes for really a country um to have a program like you need a coach that will champion it like mm-hmm. you need somebody it's it's not enough just to have figure skating talent you need somebody to champion a discipline in order for the country to then put up results in the on the international stage so maybe u s just doesn't have like a, a, you know a high profile coach championing pairs, for example, yeah I don't know Ugh. and uh for our listeners now i i will i promise i'll it'll take me less than a week to edit and put this up because the uh world the figure skating worlds happen in a week they're march nineteenth through twenty fifth so they'll you know watch. Check your TV listings if you're interested. The post-Olympic Worlds can always be a little weird. Mhm. Some of the Olymp- a lot of the Olympic champions choose to take it off, but a lot of them just plain retired this year anyway. So yeah, are
1: Tessa and Scott going one last time, or are they
3: like, no, we good? No, I think they officially retired. They, if you went, uh, Wikipedia had like a page of like official retirements for the season, and all these names that I just like teared up. Patrick mm-hmm. Chan was there, like, the, the day after his skate, things like that.
1: Yeah.
3: Oh, Patrick. Can we
1: talk about Patrick for a minute?
2: <sighs> like, I... the,
3: the joy wasn't there. No, he said... I don't know. What he said in interviews was that he really wanted the team gold. Hmm. And, and the he... rest of the Canadian team was like, we want the gold for Patrick. Mm-hmm. Um... Canada has a couple of other individual men, skaters. They're they're not as good. I don't know that they ever will be. I think our glory kind of in that is done for a little bit. Like, you know, Patrick was great. Now he's gone. I'm not sure. Um, Keegan something. (laughs) Sorry, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Is going to reach quite the same, you know, podium heights um so i th- it's possible that patrick just kind of felt like he had to be here even though his performance was actually not that good but then a lot of the men fell apart like the i it's the men specifically just couldn't find their feet on the ice in this competition yeah um, i think later they said there was something wrong kind of wrong with the ice i don't know it like but it wasn't just him a lot of the like the performances that were supposed to be great were suddenly like falling on jumps that they always land and things like that So he didn't have the greatest skate in the team either, but it didn't matter. They got the team gold. So I think for the men, he probably just wanted to come out and have like a good goodbye performance. The short still failed him. The triple axel was always like his hardest jump. Uh, But the long was not the cleanest, but it was still, you know, he's a beautiful skater. Mm -hmm. It was a nice goodbye to his career. Uh, his career is a competitive skater. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do now. He could probably do anything. Um, a lot of uh, Canadians become choreographers and coaches.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can someone explain to me what the like big skating thing they do at the end is, where that one guy was doing flash dance? The gala. Oh, the, the gala. <laughs> it's the let loose and party. Because that one guy doing flash dance? Was living.
1: Yeah. I only watched part of it. NBC like fucked us on the gala because they would show a single performance and then show twice that that length of time of commercials.
3: <laughs>
0: and NBC, NBC ratings were so down this year and it's like, gee, I wonder why all I hear about your guys is how terrible your coverage is. Yeah, NBC
1: did somewhat better this time around than usual. One because Tara and Johnny, Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir were doing all of the commentary and not just the the B roll commentary. Um and instead of uh, Scott Hamilton and somebody else. Um
3: yeah, I think it's usually Scott
1: Is Scott Hamilton American?
3: Yes. Kurt Browning's oh. the Canadian. I cannot tell them apart.
1: Thank I'm you. Sorry. Thank you.
3: <laughs> but I, I know it's Kurt because they call him curtains, So that's how I know it's Kurt yeah. for us in Canada.
1: <laughs> um, but they had Tanneth Belbin, Tanneth Belbin White, because she is married to Charlie White of Meryl Davis and Charlie White, um, doing the commentary for the ice dancing because she could explain what a twizzle is and Tara could not. <laughs> oh. Look, I can look at a thing and go, I know that's a twizzle and I know that's a spin. I don't understand the physics of what makes them different, but I can look at them and go and tell the difference, but I can't explain to you why. Anyway. So I felt like NBC's coverage was somewhat better. Um, Part of that was because they bullied Pyeongchang into making sure that the timing of the live event was good for American primetime, which is,
2: That was convenient.
1: Feel quite awkward about, (laughs) but it was nice for me. I'm not gonna lie, Uh because it meant that I could watch all of the skating unedited and see like random girl from Uzbekistan and um, some truly bonkers costumes. Truly bonkers. But, you know, they have Bodie Miller commenting on downhill, and he's knowledgeable but not engaging. And there was still a lot of, well, we're watching live downhill skiing, and if you want to see any of the luge or skeleton or anything like that, you need to be able to subscribe. So there's, like, the usual problem of NBC you have to be a cable subscriber of some kind in order to see the online stuff, which sucked.
3: Yeah, I'm very lucky in that CBC, which is the public broadcaster, has the rights. Um, so, and we got web st- live web streams of everything. So you got to you know you you had the TV coverage, which was kind of the main one. And figure skating often makes it to that just because a lot of the Canadians are in contention for podiums. But they also have like the separate streams for all the events. So we're kind of I'm, I've got no complaints especially as I know what my American friends <laughs> have to go through to get decent coverage. Speaking of um, skiing and, and you know and the other sports, they, they've been having weather problems, these Olympics. They've had to cancel a few because of strong winds. Yeah, but in this case,
1: they actually had like snow and cold. Which is different from the past two
3: Winter Olympics. No kidding. When they had to import snow into... Sochi is a summer resort.
0: I don't, right? know what the, I don't know what the logic was of having a Winter Olympics there. Is this where I make a steroid joke? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Performance enhanced snow. That's all you need.
3: <laughs> By the way, uh, kind of jumping ahead to what will probably be the second half of this podcast, but Icarus for Best Documentary.
0: Mm-hmm. That was a surprise. I didn't expect that. It was a good surprise. for yeah, good with that. I punched the air. I'm not gonna lie. So we actually got a medal in skiing. This is the woman we had to borrow from America, Isabel Atkin, who is from Boston, but her dad is English. So they basically the like British Skiing Federation went to her and were like, "Hey." You've got Gosh. British citizenship, don't you? So, <laughs> what you doing this January? Uh, and she got a bronze, so we were very happy for her. What um, kind of skiing? It was the um, slope style. Okay. So I mean, there was so many kinds of skiing, and they all know, It was, out. yeah. There's only so many times of the year you get to watch people go down a half pipe on skis, you know. Yeah. I loved watching the snowboarding, Foo. I mean, watching Chloe Kim alone was mm. immensely satisfying. Chloe Kim invited Frances McDormand to go snowboarding with her.
3: Oh, I think I remember seeing that on Twitter. <laughs> so, speaking of Halfpipe, do we talk about that one of the controversies? Let's
0: okay. talk about that. Let's talk about this. I, I don't just even remember her name who cares I don't even want to rem- no, I'm not even going to remember her name because I don't even want to give her the dignity no, of that
1: she is an American with money and
3: who did she end up skiing for Hungary and Hungary by the way were not happy about this by the way didn't uh, Vanessa May did something similar in the previous Olympics didn't she mm-hmm. make it in for like a small country because she really wanted to be in the Olympics anyway what we're talking about is there was a competitor uh, skiing or skiing the half-pipe, right? Skiing the half-pipe. And, but she can't actually. like She just skis back and forth. There's no tricks or whatever whatever their elements are called. She Because she can't. But there's yep. like a set of obscure rules that allowed her to make it into the Olympics by first getting a citizenship in a small country that doesn't have uh, a feel then she would – in essentially, you have to place, like, top 30 or top 15 in a certain number of competitions, so she'd go to competitions that only had, like, 20 people in them, wait for somebody to fall. Yep. And if she doesn't fall, she makes it in on a score that is essentially positive instead of negative, however that works. And and she made – and yeah, that was
0: it. She's and in so the And so she Olympics. qualified for the Olympics, Okay, so here's one of the reasons this really pissed me off. It pissed me off because I was listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour, a podcast I really like, and Stephen Thompson had his, his, what making me happy this week was the skier and the sort of, like the ingenuity of it. And it was such a wonderfully uniquely Olympic story. And wasn't it kind of inspiring? I was like, no. Oh. You know, the whole point of the Olympics is, I mean, obviously there are extenuating circumstances, but it's supposed to be merit. It's supposed to be hard work and ambition And, you know, skill. And there is already a massive problem with the fact that sports is completely dominated by people with money. And if you're British, the problem is also related to class. If you looked at the numbers of people who went particularly to the Summer Olympics, by and large, hugely disproportionate in favour of kids who went to uh, private school. And it was a similar thing here. This woman basically decided, I've got money to spend or I've got my daddy's money to spend because her dad admitted to giving her a lot of money to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try and be a good like, Olympic-level skier. I just want to be good enough. I just want to ga- essentially game the system. She was happy to scam it, to have this moment in the, su- the sunlight. And I remember people comparing her to like... People like Eddie the Eagle, who was the sort of infamous British ski jumper who'd never actually been down an Olympic ski jump when he went. Or Eric the Eel, who was the Equatorial Guinea swimmer who had never seen an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Mm-hmm. And because everyone in his round got disqualified, he ended up going through. I think, to the court or something. But what, dif- what differentiates those stories is those two guys and people like them had genuine earnestness for what they did and the barriers in place for them were things related to their lack of money their lack of privilege right this woman just wanted to throw money a thing to have it Mm -hmm. she wanted this honor that is a complete luxury but it's also something that you have to work so hard for in your life that you have to put in so many hours many years of your life you have to sacrifice so much and she didn't want to do any of that she just wanted to game the system enough so that she could say, I'm an Olympian. And I hate the fact that she's got that. And I hate the fact that people are spinning that as a good thing. Yeah. And
1: like you compare her to Pizza Tau.
3: I'm just Tau looking Fu- him up myself. Yeah. Tau-, <laughs> Fata- uh, Tau Fatafua?
1: There we Dang. go. Tau Fatafua, who was known as Shirtless Tongan Guy, which is totally what I Googled to get his name.
3: Yes.
1: <laughs> he was the flag bearer. In Rio where he competed In Taekwondo and he was a flag Bearer in Pyeongchang As he qualified for cross country Skiing And he came in I want to say like third to last
3: Yeah hundred and fifteenth of 100
1: And But I think Slate had a really Sweet article about Kind of the, the Losers club of that race because They all were waiting And the guy who won Waited until everybody came in to congratulate them for finishing.
2: Oh, <laughs> that's so. Scary. And like,
1: and of course, you know the people who came in dead as last are generally from warm weather countries that don't have snow. Where are they going to practice? But they're there to give their countries some representation and something for these games. And that's like that's the Olympic spirit that I love. Yeah.
0: I mean that's also part of the like the, the Jamaican bobsled team lineage. Yeah. That is an act specifically designed to inspire, particularly inspire people who would never look at themselves as thinking I could compete in the Winter Olympics or Olympics in general, but especially from those nations like Jamaica or from Tonga where you know snow is almost a fantasy. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was that was a genuinely inspiring thing that he did and he also qualified properly. Yeah. I th- I think there's one difference that you can pinpoint
3: to that kind of encapsulates the difference between these inspiring stories and what this woman did in that peter tau is from tonga and he did it to represent tonga you know the jamaican mm-hmm. bobsled team they did it for jamaica this woman went country shopping she right. wasn't there like i want hungary to have like ski you know winter sports and i don't care if i come last i'm gonna do this so like hungary's on you know, is on the board
0: Mm -hmm. Because she'd already she had already tried to country shop for Venezuela to compete, I think, in the skeleton or the luge. Like she'd already tried it for a totally different sport. And then realized I'm probably less likely to die on skiing than I am in the luge. Mm
2: -hmm. But
0: that was what really aggravated me about it was, you know, like in the case of Bruno Massot, went French, he was a French guy who went German for very specific honest, earnest reasons mm-hmm. you know, he wanted to support his you know, his partner and the way to do that is you've got to go to the other country
3: yeah, you have to pick one It like country shopping is a thing that happens, for example now that Patrick's retired Keegan Messing I googled his name, Keegan Messing represents Canada, he's got a Canadian mother, he's American, he's Alaskan Hmm. so did he go country he's shopping? a cutie <laughs> he's pretty young well no 26 i guess he's not as young as i thought he was he went essentially country shopping because the american field was more competitive but he had but i don't know if i'm being a hypocrite when i say there's kind of a difference between country shopping when you're essentially an athlete with skill and you know you're looking for a best place for yourself versus somebody who's really not an athlete at all mm-hmm. i just kind of want to like, he didn't, he made it to the Olympics, you know what I mean? Like, it's, that was fair and square off his skills. So, it's still different. What she did is different. <laughs> yeah. And Keegan has legitimate claim
2: to
1: Canadianness. Right. There's a, a similar controversy that has sort of bubbled around gymna- women's gymnastics. And that there are two American girls who Nellie Kim basically was like, we need better girls in Belarus. Want to be Belarusian? Oh. Do they speak Belarusian? No. But they qualified as the gymnasts for Belarus for the last world, world Championships. And Because Nelly Kim was like, hey, Belarus, give them some money. What makes this even more distasteful is Belarus actually has their own gymnasts. They don't have the support that American gymnasts do because Belarus is still an Eastern Bloc country with no money. But they they agreed to take the spot of actual Belarusians, and the Gymnastic Podcast is like this is disgusting and distasteful and tacky as fuck.
3: Man, poor Belarus because they're they're kind of going through this with Eurovision, which. I made sure you were aware of because yes, you do. I want my friends to know things. <laughs> yes, you do. But I also
0: really love Alexiev, so I kind of hope he makes it anyway. <laughs> Side note, totally off tangent, but I have discovered that a book is coming out, and it is basically Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy crossed with Eurovision. <gasps> and I really, really I remember. It. Were you the one who tweeted about it earlier? I, I did tweet yeah. about it, yeah. It's called Space Opera. It's by Catherine Valente, who wrote uh, Deathless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is the Russian fairy tale inspired book that I think Lena would probably really like if she hasn't read it. She's a very floral writer. Um, I kind of have a love hate relationship with her work, but it's a book about Eurovision in space.
3: Uh, sorry to disappoint you, but I clicked on the deathless description and got like hives and immediately closed it. because ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it. Yeah, the the Eurovision space sounds amazing. We should. We should. Say, do you remember there was a movie? It's, uh, future sport, something like that. Murder ball? I don't remember. It's a movie where, like, in the future, we settle all of our conflicts by playing this like extreme
0: sport. Oh, that's no. ball. Murderball. Murder ball is real. Murder thing, ball
1: right? is the documentary about
3: you know wheelchair. Okay. I, I or... didn't know murder ball was a real thing. I was making a joke.
0: It is <laughs> a real
3: thing. It's an amazing documentary. I think it was. Vanessa Williams was in it, right? Am I thinking of the right, Vanessa? Anyway, like I wanted, I want the world to be like that, but with Eurovision. So that book does sound really good. We'll, we'll I'll link to it. Also, I really want our listeners to be aware that at some point, we started going a little nuclear arms race?
1: It's true, we did.
3: <laughs> because at one point, Raiden started essentially annexing all of Scandinavia. <laughs> I did not. Not all of it. God, not
1: Finland. What do you take <laughs> for? I can, however, legitimately say if I'm claiming Sweden, which I do I can also claim Norway, which means I won
3: At which point I decided that on top of Canada and Russia I'm just gonna, on behalf of my household get South it Korea work that way. No, it and the work United that way. States and you know no. what, Great Britain too
1: No, oh yeah, all five of them
3: <laughs> Meet it, Kaylee, she loves you <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I could probably claim Germany but I can't prove
0: that at this time. Germany do seem to be taking everyone right now. So
3: they came in second to gold. Canada is third in in gold. US fourth
0: <clears> in gold, gold and gold. totals. In fairness, if you need a backup country, I feel like you could probably do worse than Germany. It's true. Mm. I just I don't want to
1: officially claim Germany because I can't prove it at this time. I have not done my Answer, my genealogy on my paternal side far enough to determine if
3: that's. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I'm well, pretty like, sure. does the fact that Crimea is now Ukraine, well, possibly not Ukraine anymore, let me claim, like, Aliona's gold? No, I'll go there. No! <laughs> no! I, I told you we went <laughs> nuclear arms race. <laughs> <laughs> the important thing is
1: is that Canada has no golds in hockey. None. <laughs> I I have a friend on Twitter who is Finnish and the Sweden Finland rivalry of the Olympics is also one of my my every two year delights. And oh. at one point he tweeted at me going, "Oh, we're we're both out of the men's hockey race." We got knocked out by Canada, cool, and you guys got knocked out by, Czech notes, Germany. Huh. <laughs> I was like, no, the shame is fair. The
3: shame is fair. It's legit. Look, I didn't expect much from the men, seeing as how there was that whole NHL thing, and the entirety of the NHL is basically Canada, mm-hmm. but, but the women stings. Yeah, like, I know. That's things. That it's done the women too. Did you remember the controversy with the silver medal award? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, one of the the women hockey Canadian women hockey players took off her silver medal as soon as, as soon as it was kind of put on her neck and there was a big like kerfuffle of like that's bad sportsmanship and what several people pointed out is that hockey has a kind of unique tournament structure in uh, among the Olympic sports in that you don't win a silver, you lose the gold. Mhm. Any the both teams in the finals essentially already have the silver.
1: Yeah, I mean that's true in any of the the tournament
3: type games. Right. It's just like at the at the Winter Olympics, there's not a lot of others. I think it might be mm-hmm. the only one. Um, everything else curling. is just a, a, a straight up. Oh, yeah, curling, right? But uh, all, most of, most of the events here are, you know, like straight up competitions.
1: Mm-hmm. First across the line, or with the most points, or. First across the line and with the most points, which I don't understand how that works, but okay.
3: Well, in figure skating, we have like fourth in the. Sh- how it was some. I remember there was one competition where it was like second in the short, second in the free, and yet first overall. Yeah, I don't understand how that works. Well, it's when the first in the short gets the fourth in the free, and then
0: yeah, yeah. sports man. Yeah, we don't really do hockey. We didn't have to worry about that. I did love the Korea- the United Korean team managed to score a goal, and they were so happy. Mm-hmm. I was happy for them. Still slightly unnerved by the, like, choreographed clapping. And the
1: cheerleaders? You should be more than slightly <sighs> yeah. unnerved. You should be completely
3: unnerved by that, because it was... Apolitical these Olympics were not. No... The The Canadian broadcast would cut to the cheerleaders in the stands sometimes for, like, figure skating, and it would be like, this isn't cute. No, this oh. is weird. And I had all these thoughts, because North Korea also sent up pairs, I believe, figure skaters, mm-hmm. and they trained in Montreal for, like, six months. So the Canadians were like, Canadian Connection. And I'm like, so they get to go to Canada, probably with overseers, but I'm going to guess, like, they're somebody's kids. Mm-hmm. Like, if they were allowed out of the country for that long, I'm going to guess they're pretty well connected. So they get to go to Canada and train, and the rest of North Korea gets to starve. Yeah. Not cute. Let, let's not, like, make this quaint.
1: No. So let's let's discuss the Russia thing. The Russia stuff.
3: Let's discuss the Russia <laughs> You, you stuff. mean the stuff from the Olympic countries? The, of- the, Olymp- <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Olympic athletes from I'm Russia. Russia. <laughs> stuff. So the international olympic committee as punishment for russia's whole we did a state sanctioned doping thing to win a whole bunch of medals in sochi and we would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for this darn biker which
3: utopia dude i undying respect <laughs> right like watch icarus it's
1: look. You, you can't believe this story until you see it
0: Look, a guy just wanted to take some steroids in peace And then all of a sudden he uncovers a massive doping scandal And wins and an, Oscar. an Oscar And wins an Oscar for
3: it <laughs> oh.
1: And so what are you going to do? So the International Olympic Committee said Russia, you may not send a team to these Olympic Games And Numerous people were like, that punishes the athletes who didn't do anything wrong. And the International Olympic Committee said, that's kind of true. Okay. So we will allow athletes that can be proven to have been clean this whole time to compete, but not as the Russian team. They will be Olympic athletes from Russia. And should they win a gold, and they only won one, then the Olympic anthem will play, and not the Russian anthem. Because that will make Putin the most sad, I guess. They won two, actually.
3: They won two? Yeah, they won the men's hockey. Oh, that's right. The one you
0: didn't get. See, she had a backup country like you're supposed to have. (laughs) I I had a, a backup collection of athletes. (laughs) <laughs> from a geographic I just, I just region I'm just imagining you like, going through your flag collection Looking for the right one And not being able to pick up the Russian flag Just go straight for the Olympic one instead
1: <laughs>
0: So that's
1: why there were not many Olympic athletes from Russia But man, the, the Russian fans were there
3: to wave Russian flags To try and make up for it we got very few shots of no, those. Not only that, but I got shot of them on the figure skating stands. You know what they're like. It was either a. I think it was on their shirts. It was one of those messages, like multiple people went across the shirt. It said, "We are here." Hmm. Subtle. We are not. But what I don't understand is, well, first of all, like you, this is when it comes to international sports, you can't punish. A country without punishing the athletes. I'm sorry, that's just how it works. But second of all, why independent Olympics from Russia? Why weren't they just competing as independent Olympians? It's happened in the past for people whose countries were in like political turmoil. There were like three of them, I remember, maybe in Brazil. Or it was so I can't remember. But like it's this precedent. So why did they get to be still a single united contingent, more or less?
0: Were there any independent Olympians competing this year? I didn't. Um... Because the free that did it at the... I remember when it happened in London. Okay, that's what we're thinking. all like summer. Well, they were all summer sports, but they were all from very hot countries. So maybe they just weren't a lot of winter countries in turmoil this year. Which, well, what know, I'm saying is make
3: nice. all, make all the Russians independent Olympians. Like, don't even put the "from Russia" thing on it the, because they still get a medal count. Yeah, they have. Yeah. You give them a medal count. Make all their medal like don't give them a united banner under which to have a medal count. Just say like you get your individual medals.
0: Mm-hmm. Honestly the international olympic committee are so like hysterically corrupt that someone probably handed them a big bag of a dollar sign on the side of it and was like come on let's no, just have some No no come on it
1: had euros in it
3: <laughs> They're like did the, have Ruble What's the it?
0: russian ripples sign look like
3: <laughs> It's I think it's the russian r with like a online I have no idea
0: Oh I I see it oh, I've never seen that before That's pretty cool, but, you know, I imagine the lot was handed over.
1: I don't think there were any independent
0: athletes.
3: I I don't think so either. I'm just saying all the Russians should have been.
0: So the previous Olympics the summer, there were two independent athletes who were both from Kuwait. Government problems obviously led to that. 2014... There was an Indian competitor. Apparently, the details are all. They have there is a Wikipedia page for if anyone is interested. But yeah, I think it may have just been a, a partly that, but also it's the IOC. Someone was probably handed money somewhere. Olympics in Sochi? Why? Yes, that sounds like a great idea. There, there was there were rumblings at
3: one point that if they they may be given the right to have the Russian flag at the closing Olympics. They didn't have a flag bearer either, by the way, that kind of came along with the flag. Uh, but because of the, I think it was two official instances of doping that were found, mm-hmm. the curling Paris team, and I think there was one more. They weren't. But it was, it's like, like, nobody was satisfied particularly. It, it, like, the Russians got just punished enough to make a big show of being, like, offended. Like, look how the world, like, hates and degrades us. Mm-hmm. But not really enough, I f- to, for it to be a real punishment,
0: right? I, I feel like Putin's version of ruling is to just play the perpetual underdog while constantly beating the shit out of other people, but doing it with a very refreshed face. I've never been able to explain that he just always looks so peppy. Well, oh, talks is a powerful force. <laughs> <laughs> but he started to look like that woman that looks like a cat. He's got the he's got the eye like the eyelid problem now. Yeah. not really close your eyes properly. I'll, I'll
3: post in picture listeners, because that's 100% mm-hmm. accurate.
1: Hey, Putin is running my country now, so. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so... To all the FSB agents who are listening to this
0: vocal. <laughs> there is a, if you go to correct me if it's pronounced incorrectly, Alina Zagatova's page. Zagitova, I think. Zagitova? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, who was best Alina. The... <laughs> the 15-year-old uh, figure skater who won gold 15... I... God, I feel ancient. But there is a picture of her with Putin and he looks oh my god, it's he's he's like some sort of like ivory rug that's been sort of stretched out <laughs> You know what's
3: scary? She's fifteen, she won the gold, and it's possible, according to my commentators, that like the the girls come the Russian girls coming out of the juniors will skate past her. I don't know what legal, like, steroids they're feeding the Russian figure skating girls.
0: What do you mean legal? Give these people some credit. As yet undiscovered. There you go. Not illegal. Oh my god, if you Google Putin Botox, the pictures are amazing. No. It's like a a flip book of horrors. What well, the whole point of him was that he was supposed to look like the most nondescript man on the planet, isn't that what's supposed to make him scary?
3: <laughs> this man's job was to be unrecognizable in a crowd.
0: Hmm. Who was the man that poisoned your team? ma'am? That guy there, the man that looks like a balloon. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: oh, uh-huh. oh yeah. There's been more Russian poisonings in the yeah. UK, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, no.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, May finally said, yeah. It kinda does look like the Russians did it.
0: And then the Kremlin's Twitter account, which I, I hate that I even have to say that phrase because what world are we living in? What have we become? But the Kremlin's Twitter account are denying it. Of course they are. Just like the
1: was it the Russian embassy was like No, he wasn't a Russian spy, he was a British spy.
0: Oh yeah, like isn't that like cause of motive now for you to go after him for? Yeah. You just kind of like own
1: yourself. is that what you did? You're not doing the right kind of denial. You 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 did it wrong. You broke it.
3: You know what? I wish had a Twitter account. Somebody make Lenin Lenin's mummified corpse a Twitter account.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the, the but the profile picture has to be the Simpsons Lenin, <laughs> where he punches his way out of the glass coffin and says, "Must destroy capitalism." The that is still one of my favourite Simpsons joke ever is where the ga- like the Russian ambassador presses a button and then his little sign turns around and just says Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we wanted uh... you to think.
2: <laughs>
3: Have you guys s- ever actually seen a picture of him in his sarcophagus?
0: No. Yeah, I've seen it. I mean in terms of like weird Russian things, that's I think that might just be top twenty.
3: The fact that we put our, our leaders in sarcophagi so for the nation to... I mean,
0: that ha- that's what happened to Ava Perone as well. At least somebody's tried to steal Lennon's corpse as far as we know, have they?
3: I know Stalin tried to like get buried beside him and that got shut down. Well, of course he that's did. That's
0: what the death of Stalin should be about.
1: <laughs> yes, and then Jason Isaacs was like, no.
0: <laughs> it's out in limited release in America right now. I think it's going wider soon. So, yeah. I enjoyed it. It's not my favorite Armando Iannucci film, but like I, I am really eager to hear Alina's Spots on it.
3: I need to make sure that like I really want it to play in here, so but I don't think it's it's out even for like the limited release here yet. I think that's March 16th.
0: It seems like it'll end up on streaming really quickly. So... mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um. So that there's that at least. But I, I feel like you she, she will just greatly appreciate the fact that no one is even a trying a Russian accent. So it's not like Jennifer Lawrence in her new movie.
3: You know, it was always my, my favorite thing about that Phantom of the Opera movie where uh, Miranda Richardson was for some reason <laughs> yeah. the one person with a yeah. French accent. <laughs> That's true. Oh, that was lovely.
0: Well, the thing is, in The Death of Stalin, we are going off topic, but in The Jeff of Stalin, Stalin and the Jason Isaacs character speak with, like, Northern English accents, and the re- the, w- the reason I was told is because those characters are both Georgian, and okay. this is their way of differentiating yep. the fact that they're Georgian, which is quite interesting, but I don't know why they're all speaking like they're going to be, like, going down the pub later. <laughs> Probably because they um, were. Yeah, Stalin. Or, well,
3: uh, Stalin's birth name was uh, Yosef Djugashvili. He was. He spoke Russian, as far as
0: I know, with an accent. As far as
3: I've ever seen him portrayed, that's accurate. There is,
0: um, like, the highlight for me is uh, Rupert Friend plays Stalin's son, who's basically like a ceaseless fuck up. Who accidentally lost the russian hockey team this mm-hmm. actually happened by the way he lost the soviet hockey team and rather than tell his dad he just got a bunch of his friends to train and pretend to be the new hockey team because <laughs> apparently they got lost in a plane crash yeah and according
1: to a, a slate article that was what is real and what is fake in death of stalin they're like no this happened and no stalin never noticed
3: <laughs> in terms of, i don't i'm not even sure like does anybody know for sure how many kids he had because there's all that story about like the son he let the germans kill that like i always heard but i'm not sure if any of it's true and then i remember trying to look it up once and they're all like nobody's quite sure where all the children like how many children there were and who they all were and whatnot
1: i'm (laughs) not up on the mythology of stalin uh
0: the film depicts two of his kids they depict the fuck-up son Vasily. Of silly, and they and Svetlana, so, and then it's it's but it's mostly about his cabinet basically trying to fight for power with all of these names I'm not going to even bother pronouncing, but it's um it's Steve Buscemi and Simon Russell Beale and Jason Isaacs and Michael Palin is very good in it, uh, Jeffrey Tambor is in it, which is like slightly unfortunate now, but it's really fascinating to watch all of these like British and American like character actors and comedians play. Yeah. Like there's a bit where they have to carry Stalin's body out of the out of the bed that he died in. There's a bit where it's like we need a doctor, and it's like, well, you've kind of killed all the doctors. It's like, go we'll round up some doctors that we know are in hiding.
3: Russian wiki tells me the oldest son was uh, Yakov was the one who died in the war, and who is apparently like the the Germans were like, we've got your son. Would you like to do a um, prisoner exchange? And he was like, mm, no, I'm good. <laughs> Hard pass
0: (laughs) I feel like you will enjoy it It will also just make you like Fairly depressed Because it's that kind of film that you can't really End with a laugh There is way too much Murder and rape And you know Crushing political turmoil For it to be truly 100% funny So speaking of movies do we want to move to the
3: second half because oh god so much has happened and we can't catch up right <laughs> are we talking about the Oscars yes uh, we're gonna put in like an official pause here in case this is a good place for our listeners to pause the podcast maybe their commute's over they want to pick up the second half and start the second half this is your intro Appropriate music is appropriate. It's been
1: a long week, and it's only Monday.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: The Oscars happened. The Oscars happened. There are only two things that I'm really mad about. And a bunch of other things I'm sort of resigned at. And some things that I'm happy about.
0: Gotta say, I am like reasonably satisfied it, w- there were no real surprises there were a couple sort of pleasant ones mm-hmm. but there was no big shock horror announcement, there was nothing there that felt particularly egregious to me in a way that really annoyed me the stuff that won, that I knew was going to win even if I didn't want it to, it was like okay, you know yeah. Like I get why you have made a decision to give Gary Oldman an Oscar for this movie in the back of my mind I'm going to pretend it's for Br- Bram Stoker's Dracula but yep. you know, I get why but you did but I'm this. so mad about it still mad. like, But stuff like, you know, Jordan Peele winning an Oscar. The guy from Key and Peele winning an Oscar is just badass. It's true. And the picture of
1: Key jumping up in joy is amazing.
0: Like, so beautiful.
1: <laughs> get you friends that support you like that.
3: Uh, you know, I wish I, I could have had that because the Gary Oldman win... And Kobe Bryant being there, like just Mm -hmm. it pissed me off so much that I essentially found myself like unable to enjoy every like Gambo del Toro wins Oscars and I this should be like the greatest for me and I'm just I find it all just entirely ruined. ruined particularly because like I'm going straight into the strand, I'm sorry. If you want to give Gary Oldman awards for acting and say, you know what, he said sh- and did shitty things, but like, this is an acting award, it's going to him, then you don't get to do the whole like, me too,
0: time's up, we are part of the movement spiel. Oh, fairly agreed. I mean, that was yeah. what was so, I, mean, I I don't want to say interesting, that feels like the wrong word, but there was clearly a contradictory nature going on at this year's uh, Olympics. (laughs) Probably was at the Olympics as well, actually. Uh, But certainly with the Oscars. Because they had a moment where Ashley Judd, Mira Servino, and Annabelle Shiora came out and sort of presented. It was kind of a montage, but it was a really... It was a striking moment because we know the allegations that they've made against Harvey Weinstein. Particularly Annabelle Shiora, whose Mm -hmm. career essentially ended because she was raped by Harvey Weinstein. Legally, I have to say, allegedly here. Uh, But then they show this... Kind of weird montage that has some nice moments in it, but the, the montage seems to be hooray for diversity. It doesn't seem to have a specific point to it, other than, you know, it, there's no specific political slant to it, which, given the elephant in the room, felt like we needed something like that. And I mm-hmm. understand that the Oscars have to toe this line between being entertainment and being this representation for the industry, and also not wanting to be. I mean, this is already a night of self congratulatory backslapping they don't want it to tip over too much into we are the world, we are the movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get that. But then you have moments like Kobe Bryant winning an Oscar yeah, uh, for a film that was nowhere near the best animated short of the year by the way. I mean, I, they, they nominated it because it was Glen Cle- Keane, who's mm-hmm. the iconic Disney animator who's responsible for like drawing Ariel in Little Mermaid. Um, but then it creates this weird tension in the room. I don't think it's quite as bad as it was last year when Casey Affleck won. Because mm-hmm. like, looking back on that now, one, he would never be able to get away with that now. And you know that he could tell that with all the shitty press releases that his team kept sending out a Deadline. But it did highlight this problem that existed. And I think you saw a lot of that just in the campaigning for Oscars for this season. How many people genuinely played hard and dirty this year to campaign for an Oscar? Gary other than gary oldman like this other, and even then his was almost i don't even think it was hard and dirty i think he was just almost defeated by his own ambition he was like well i've got to win an oscar now he didn't seem all that excited to be promoting this movie it wasn't like with casey affleck his team went so hard on that mm-hmm. for a whole year I mean, I think in, in like five years' time, we will look back on that as one of the true, wine, most Weinstein-esque, ruthless campaigns. But no one was really doing Weinstein-esque campaigns this year. I think between him and Casey Affleck, people were embarrassed into kind of towing a line. A lot of the campaigning you saw this year was more driven by the likability of people. Mm-hmm. Like, people wanted to hang out with Guillermo del Toro because he's the best. People wanted to hang out with Greta Garwick because she seems like such a sweetheart. People wanted to hang out with Jordan Peele because he's incredibly funny and charming and had a lot to say. It was stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that that was what made as much an impact as anything else. But as always with the Oscars, progress is maddeningly incremental. Mm-hmm. So, when it does happen, It'll be dribs and drabs, and I think that you saw that with the Shape of Water. So I have a problem with the Shape of Water being referred to as the safe choice. It's a movie where a woman fucks a fish, man. Like I wouldn't say it's safe. Right. No, I, mean, I hope cho- it was safe for her, but the
1: yeah. <laughs> the safe choices were Darkest Hour, Hour and Phantom Thread.
3: Before we move off, uh, can we plug uh, Kaylee's appearance on the TIFF podcast?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Plug away.
3: Kaylee was on the Tiff podcast. Yeah, I'll, I'll link to it. She <laughs> st- she, you spoke specifically. I listened to it. It was lovely. You spoke specifically about kind of the history of Oscar campaigning. It was fascinating. Um, go listen to that after you guys have done listening to this.
0: It is one of my favorite things in the world to talk about. So <laughs> I was very excited. Uh, but now that the season is over, it's just it's weird because I didn't see a lot of that campaigning. It was still there in drips and drabs, but it wasn't like. I think the closest we saw to truly vaulting ambition was Army Hammer, and that didn't fucking work. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now he's back on Twitter harassing Anne Helen Peterson, which he needs to stop doing. Oh, oh Army. Come please. on, Army. Army, we like you. We want to keep liking you. And Don't people need to stop guy. defending him for attacking a journalist. Okay, Army Hammer's not going to fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the thing is how much of what you saw this year was really. I don't want to say it was nice, but because the season itself was so mostly unpredictable and because Best Picture was truly up for grabs this year, I think that there was almost a sense of like, hey, well, we'll just be along for the ride. So that was really fun.
3: <coughs> not, um, not to jump around, but uh, as a kind of one of first big topic, um, any thoughts on Jimmy Kimmel as a returning host?
0: I thought he was, he was fine. Like I think he was better this year than he was last year.
1: It's true, although I mean, his there, there stunt with the normals was still
0: Okay, can I say that I liked that better this year? Yes. Because last year it was like they were paraded through the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like look at these normals, but this year it was like we are going to bring you food. And they're still a kind of like, "Hey, isn't it cool of you to meet Mark Hamill and Gal Gadot?" But it was also there is a man firing a hot dog cannon at you. <laughs> so yeah, there was at least a sense that they they were sort of enjoying it being a bit more of an even relationship. But I, one of the things I liked about him this year is he just seemed a lot more relaxed. He, there was a lot less shitty mean jokes. Like I I dreaded going into the night. It's like oh god, how many jokes are there going to be about Saoirse Ronan's name?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But then or like oh how many jokes are there going to be that oh Christopher Plummer and Agnes Barda are old? And I think that there was one, but even then it was like. It was actually a. Decent it was game.
1: Christopher Plummer was at the first Oscars.
0: Like, Wasn't
3: what was that it was like to joke. know Hamilton? Like that was yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciated like the joke was like was it Oscars the West most well behaved man in Hollywood? You know he keeps his hands where you can see them and he doesn't have a penis. Like that's funny. And the jet ski running joke to me was hilarious. Because like it's the, true, the room really into that joke.
3: The presenter, okay, I'm sorry, I just, uh, who was the best supporting actress for West Side Story? Rita Moreno! Yeah, thank yes. you. But uh, when she had the moment on stage, she's like, I realized I'm older than the Oscar," <laughs> And she wore the same dress.
0: <laughs> it looked fantastic. Even Marie Saint was there as well, which was awesome. Because was she the one tri- who
3: made like- the, like, the, I remember there were, like, they brought up a few people who were, like, because even though this is not the centennial, they did a lot of that throwback to the beginning of the Oscar middle. You know what I mean? Like past Oscars thing? Yeah.
0: It was one of those things where they were clearly like, we need to get these presenters while they're still with us.
3: Yeah.
0: First of all, Eva Marie Saint looks amazing. So does Rita Moreno. If, if you're not watching One Day at a Time on Netflix, please do so. Because from what I understand, it is at risk of cancellation. And it's the best comedy on TV right now.
3: Sorry, my apologies. It wasn't Rita Moreno who made the joke because she's not older than the Oscar. It was Eva Marie Saint, I think. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah, I, she did. I apologize.
0: But seriously, watch one day at a time. It's on my list. No, no, no. Watch it now. It will make you laugh. It will make I you cry. I can't it... watch there it right problems. now. I am talking to you. We won't understand. It's fine. I There were, but there was like moments like, I mean, the entire jet ski thing was so funny because clearly everyone in the room was also really into the joke.
3: Yeah, because they would make comments like, uh, I don't need a jet ski. I'm going to go on for a couple of minutes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they mm-hmm brought out Warren Beatty
3: and Faye Dunaway to give Best Picture again, and then Guillermo De Toro made a quip when he was up on stage. And said, I, <laughs> yeah, it's the right one, point I point checked. It,
1: like, also, note that the graphics design of the envelopes, the letters <laughs> were very large, and in contrast
0: to the color, so you could see it on camera. Subtle, <laughs> I loved it. Um, my favorite thing like uh, honestly the the Warren Beatty Faye Dunaway thing was really interesting because one I I was glad they were invited back because I feel like they did get thrown under the bus yeah for something that was not their fault particularly Faye Dunaway who I think even Warren Beatty was kind of trying to shit on her for that
3: quick quick plug uh, just so um I will link to the Hollywood Reporter's oral history of that Oscar screw up because it's fascinating it's amazing and Steve Harvey is a dick the guy who actually, what was his name? The, the, like, the guy who actually gave Warren Beatty the wrong envelope, though, Like he was really trying to shove anybody he could.
1: Ryan the accountant. Right. Whose fault it is not. Just
3: ask him and he'll tell you. A lot. Anyway, fascinating read. Also, but then people
0: were like stalking his family and that's not okay. What the fuck's wrong? Don't be those dicks. What I found interesting about that, the presentation with them doing it again was just Fade out and we just did not want to be there. Mm-hmm. I think Warren Beatty has a bit more of an ego that needs to be solved. He's so vain. I've also he probably heard that they do him, not so. get along. I've heard that too. You know, given what we know about uh, Warren Beatty, that doesn't surprise me. Um, so that was clearly a problem. I did love Guillermo's reaction of him looking at the envelope and just going, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the, the, I mean, when they brought out Mark Bridges on his jet ski, was was beautiful. <laughs> he was the one who yeah. won. It was best costume, I want to say. Yeah, yes. You know. yes, for Phantom Fred. Yeah,
3: with Helen Mirren, who looked spectacular I mean, as always. Yeah. Not that I'm bitter or anything. <laughs> God, she looks so good.
0: Uh, you know, I want to see pictures of him on his jet ski. I want to see him at that lake in Arizona. <laughs> I want to see him like wearing one of Reynolds Woodcock's suits while he does it. Tiffany Haddish and Maya Rudolph presented. They were very funny. So funny. I mean, I hope Paul Thomas Anderson writes a movie for both of them.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: The amount of people I saw on Twitter who were like, wait, Maya Rudolph is married to Paul Thomas Anderson? I was like, yeah, for like 17 years, they have hundreds of children together. How did you not know (laughs) this? I
2: didn't
0: know this until you brought it up on our
3: last episode, so... There were, you know... Despite everything Kristen Bell says... A lot of very big-name celebrities manage to keep a lot private about their actual private lives. Do you know anything? How many people knew that Robert De Niro has been married to multiple black women and has black kids? Oh, I knew that. Well, um, like, you know George Lucas. I'm just saying, like, you know, mad, names of Matt. there
0: are a lot of actually private people in Hollywood. As it turns out, it can be done. I just found out Matt Stone from South Park is married to a black woman. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I did love that moment in the show where Jimmy Kimmel went to talk to Steven Spielberg and he says, who are you? And he went, I'm Kate Capshaw's husband. Was... Oh. And yeah. he said, do you have any weed? And he started going into his pocket. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Who else presented? I'm looking at the list of presenters. Uh, Jodie Foster came out with Jennifer Lawrence. and uh, First of all, Jodie Foster. Oh, that was, she, she is very pocket-sized. She, she literally fits under Jennifer Lawrence's like armpit there. But also, she keeps giving Mel Gibson work.
0: And that uh, made me
3: very uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 when um, Jennifer Lawrence talked about getting one of her first big breaks from Jodie Foster, it wasn't a Mel Gibson movie, guys. You know, the one where he has the beaver puppet that talks like Ray Winston? I wanted... <sighs>
3: Anton Yelton's in that movie. Like, I just—why does Mel Gibson ruin things? Go away. That's just do you know who, just who didn't present in that? Do
0: you know who didn't present?
3: Casey Affleck. Affleck. Yeah. Uh. Tell me what you guys thought about Emma Stone's these four uh. men and Greta Gerwig.
0: She saw what Natalie Portman did at the Golden Globes and, and I thought, "I could top that." It's like, no, no, you can't. You're trying way too hard. Noted Asian actress Emma Stone. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty awkward. Yeah. It was like, well, well, oh yeah, you know, like, typical member of the status quo Guillermo del Toro and Jordan Peele. Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) I was, I'll be honest, I had my own moment of discomfort also because when um, PB8, Mark Hamill, Oscar Isaac, and Kelly Marie Tran came out to present... And it was adorable. Oscar Isaac like petted BB-8. The Twitter burned down, and then they had this little, slightly weird joke where he. I, I didn't get that at I all. don't get it either because Kelly Marie Tran goes, "How do you understand what he's saying?" And Oscar Isaac says, "I speak Yiddish." And I'm like, "I don't think it was meant to be anti-Semitic. Like, are we just picking then like some random language that's not English and saying that the joke is that that's the language BB-8 speaks? That's not really a joke." Yeah, That, that I was don't. a misfire. I don't know who wrote that. I'm like, I, I want to sit you down and interrogate you about your sense of humor, person who wrote this joke, because I don't get
0: it. I get the feeling it wasn't a written joke either. But it's also, I mean, it would be very cool if the most prominent Jewish character in science fiction was BB-8, <laughs> but it's it's not canon. So we obviously just have to have questions about that joke. Um, And also just because, you know, Oscar Isaac himself is Guatemalan and raised very Christian. So there's just a
1: lot of there, layers there. There are a lot of get. layers and I don't even know where to
0: start. You know who's awesome, fool? Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. He just got a star. It was awesome. Um, <sighs> star in the Hollywood
3: Walk of Fame is what I mean. Yeah. Right, so winners. We've, we've kind of mentioned a couple. We've mentioned that Icarus and Kaylee, you said this was a surprise. You thought there was a French documentary... I, yeah.
0: I thought it was going to go Faces Places, which was Agnes Varda's documentary. She won an honorary Oscar this year as well. But if she had won the, you know, like main Oscar, it would have made her the oldest winner of all time. Uh, Actually, the oldest winner of all time happened this year anyway, because James Ivory won for Call Me By Your Name. Mm -hmm. So the reason I thought and the thesis place we're going to win was because Agnes Varda is a titan of French cinema she's one of the like aside from Jean-Luc Godard is really one of the only surviving members of the French New Wave so it made sense to me on that front otherwise I thought it might have gone to The Last Man in Aleppo it's mm-hmm. a documentary about what's happening in Syria the fact that Icarus won is really exciting to me as well but I think that as another sign of that is lots of um, Academy members just have Netflix accounts well yeah. also the Olympics pay just happened to <laughs> no, that like- as well I think was on the mind so it's it's kind of like
3: yeah it was it was kind of the right the right time. Other interesting. So Alice and Janney won for I right, Tanya's kind of, which was like one of the most expected things of the night. Right. Uh, all the
1: acting was. All of it. All of them were. She looked amazing. She looked stunning.
3: Let's talk about Frances McDormand's speech.
0: I mean, the reason I really liked the speech: one, Frances McDormand doesn't give a fuck. Right. Two. Like, her son's jawline is fabulous. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pedro Cohen is working with it. She didn't just give a political speech. She gave a political speech with a very specific instruction. She says, here is a thing that you can do. You know, here are women in this room. Go and give them money, have meetings with them, finance their projects, and then here is a thing called an inclusion rider. Learn what it is and implement it. And I guarantee that there are people in that room who had never heard that phrase before.
1: Exactly. But like all of Twitter was like, that's a what now? Somebody Google it.
3: Yeah. you Like Google's like, yep, that spiked the moment she said it. So she said inclusion writer, which is essentially a point in your contract that says the uh, the crew must meet like a certain level of diversity if you're going to. Basically, be the crew
0: has to meet the demographics of the country you're filming in.
3: Hmm.
0: So if you're filming in America, your crew has to be about 49, 50% women because mm-hmm. that's what the demographic of the country is.
3: Um, Frances McDormand also for those who didn't watch she did the thing um, when she put her Oscar down and said all the women in the room stand up and then it was like look at these women you know they have ideas they have stories when it's business hours again not at the parties Yeah, <laughs> somebody stole her Oscar at the party and then started taking like selfies yes and do you know how they found it how
1: they found who stole it because Wolfgang Puck's personal photographer happened to catch the guy Somebody make is a movie out of this Oscar?
3: story.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Live action short for next year. <laughs> it will be so, best documentary. I, mean, I and also... haven't seen free billboards. Have you guys seen it? No, God, no. no. So, like, obviously, I think that... like the, I don't even want to say it's backlash that it happened to. It. I think what happened is it got a lot of Universal praise on the festival circuit, and then other people started to see it. That was all it was. Um, I think that it lost some of its steam because of that which is by no means a bad thing because the oscar season this year felt longer than ever mm-hmm. and i think people just got bored and i think one of the reasons that get one on top of being a wonderful film that had a great campaign and felt very of the moment was people just wanted to see something new on the on the pipeline mm-hmm. i was delighted to find that martin mcdonough is dating fleabag but like i seem to be the only person who cares so
3: mm-hmm.
0: i'm sorry um Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge who wrote the In stars in the TV show Fleabag which is very wonderful and very heartbreaking and it's six episodes and it's available on Amazon Prime and yeah so they are like artistic theatrical couple now who are both about eight feet tall (laughs) I cared I thought it was interesting Um, so I I think it was just I mean, for me the only loss that really stung and I can't even say it stung that much because I knew it was going to happen was when Sam Rockwell beat Willem Dafoe yeah, Because I like Sam Rockwell But that role just seems like something he could do in his sleep Same with Francis McDormand For that I matter But like what Willem Dafoe is doing in the Florida Project A film that got one nomination And deserved way more mm-hmm. But what he's doing in that film is just exemplary
3: Raiden actually yelled at me for jinxing Dunkirk Because it was winning like The editing categories And then it didn't win cinematography And
0: obviously I jinxed it Obviously. Oh, I had no problem with it not winning cinematography because Roger fucking Deakins finally won an Oscar.
3: <clears>
0: the <throat> greatest cinematographer Fine.
3: of his age. Well, it's it's Fine. one of those. Our entire Oscars pre-show was essentially like, but yeah, but who would you kick out? Right? Like, it's it's a good poll this year.
0: I mean, Roger Deakins is also just so cool. Mm-hmm. He's just so very cool. So I was just really excited to see him win because he's been nominated 14 times and never won before it was really exciting to see rachel morrison nominated first woman ever nominated for cinematography yeah which is just bonkers i was really there was something about the dunkirk narrative this year that i was really confused by i was i didn't get how people were classifying it as a quote-unquote oscar Beatty film one, the film is not they like didn't that watch in the it. Sli- exactly. I mean, the film is not like that in the slightest. And yet, I had to read all of these think pieces talking about how it was like an ode to the macho glories of war. And all I could think was, did you watch the film? I,
3: I wouldn't classify it as Oscar bait because it wasn't an ode to a macho glories of war. But to me, like first of all, any movie about World War Two is essentially halfway there to being Oscar bait based on its premise. I just feel like that's just kind of baked into the the idea is like this this big movie about the Great War you know I know
0: the World War Two wasn't the Great War but you know what I'm saying I mean I get that but also um I mean if you wanted that film you had Darkest Hour which was much more traditionally in that that vein but that one wasn't
3: uh, as far as I know that one wasn't about the soldiers right I mean, no, it was about I mean, Churchill. entirely which... about
0: Churchill, but that's much more of a sort of glory role. The whole point of that movie is this man's speeches are so good that he can save Britons from the, the terrors of the Nazis. Mm-hmm. There's even a scene where they go on the fucking uh, London Underground, you know, Man of the People, Winston Churchill, goes on the Underground to talk to the, the regular people, including the one guy, black guy who they keep cutting back to. <laughs> it's like, look, diversity, look, we care about the inclusiveness of... of of Britain here, and it's just like, would you all, you know, how would you feel if, you know, we we stepped down and surrendered to the Nazis? It's like, oh no, Mr. Churchill, you you can't do that! You can't (laughs) surrender to the Nazis! And it's just so awful and cliched and, frankly, no offence, Raiden, but made for Americans.
1: Oh yeah, totally.
0: And I don't think Dunkirk is. I think Dunkirk was a film, I mean, one is a very inevitably British film, but it's a film where the basic message is war is hell, and hopeless and can turn you into a coward and there's nothing wrong with that.
3: See, the thing is, I kind of have the opposite opinion because I'm thinking of Dunkirk not as the movie it is, but just like the bare bones premise of it. Essentially, if somebody hasn't seen Dunkirk, right, if all you know is like description, well, it's about this soldiers in this particular battle or like week of World War II. I would say, you know what, that's a very American Oscar bait because we're all about supporting our troops and movies about like our boys at war at the front. So, to me, that is something that appeals to the American vote. Uh, Except
1: that most
3: Americans don't know
1: about the Battle of Dunkirk.
3: No, but I assume they're going to read a descript- like description of the movie before they vote. You
1: have way more faith in americans than i do
0: it may have been a case that a lot of voters did just take well it's a war movie and it's it's christopher nolan and we could never actually give him an oscar nomination for those silly superhero movies so let's do it now and honestly i think dunkirk is his masterpiece i think he's oh it totally Um, is his
1: masterpiece and i mean we've said this at length for months at this point but one of the things that i really admire about dunkirk is that he got the idea for it. He got the idea for the mathematical way he wanted to tell the story. And then went, I'm not a good enough filmmaker for this yet. I'm going to go work on my craft and become the filmmaker who can make the movie I want.
0: And also, I feel like his wife had some input in that. His wife is his producer, Emma Thomas. They were nominated who's amazing.
3: together for as producers for the Best Picture.
0: I love the fact that like, when Dunkirk won things, they would obviously thank him, but they were much more excited about thanking her. <laughs> and he was like, yep, that's true. Yep, she's a better one. Um, <laughs> sure. Which was very cool. So I, I mean, it's Christopher Nolan. I don't think there is any circumstance where he can be called a loser in these circumstances. That movie made over half a billion dollars. It is easily his masterpiece. It is, you know, the film that is going to cement him in a way that, as a British filmmaker, I should say, because mm-hmm. his films tend to be very American centric, because um, he is his I family are Americans. So.
3: I wouldn't have known he wasn't
0: American. I think if it weren't like I just kind of always his mom assumed... is American, mm. and I think he did partly grow up in America or he studied America. So, but he's still ours. <laughs> so I am interested to see what he does next. Like, do you go bigger or do you scale right back? Because I know <laughs> for a very long time he's wanted to make a movie about Howard Hughes. Hmm. except we already have the aviator well his is about like post aviator when he's like peeing in jars and has the fingernails and stuff from what I heard I mean I'd be for it I, I would be
3: interested in that the thing is if I want a movie about Howard Hughes I want a movie that goes into all like the the grody stuff he did and I don't mean like peeing in jars I mean like the way he treated uh, actresses
0: well um, I know that Karina Longworth, of you must remember this. Her book is apparently about Howard Hughes and his, like, the women of Hollywood.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know that I necessarily. Uh, I guess what I'm what I'm about to say is I I want a female perspective of a movie maker. You know what I mean on it. So that could come from the screenplay. It doesn't have to be like the direct. You know what I mean. So I get that.
0: I am very happy for Christopher Nolan to never make movies about women for as long as he lives. Because he's bad at it. Because he's so bad at it. And he seems to know it now. That was one of the things I loved so much about Dunkirk. He was just like, I can't do this. No, I, I can't. I'm not good at this. I'm just not going to include it. I'm not very good at dialogue or exposition. I'm just going to cut all that. Too. I'm
1: just going to not do that.
0: <laughs> Act problems. The entire movie's a Act. <laughs> <clears throat> this dialogue's a bit rubbish. I'll just have Mark Rylance see it.
1: Yeah. And then I'll have Tom Hardy furrow his eyebrows because of that it will be all you can see of him
0: we're just gonna hide his mouth (laughs) again
3: (laughs) oh sorry i just want to mention this for the it was the best live action short and the silent child one and the uh which is about uh, a deaf child i believe Mm -hmm. and the little actress the young actress who was in it he is deaf so one it, it was won by a man and a woman but she's also this the woman was also in it and she said she promised her that she'd sign the speech and she did
1: yep in british sign language that,
0: i would have found that a whole lot cuter if the immediate aftermath of that wasn't stories about how that woman is an incredibly shitty landlord who treats her tenants like crap because she's famous oh so, god
3: oh, come man. on we had a nice thing for one second Rachel sent Sorry.
0: Chris. I'm not it's not, not grumpy at on. you,
3: like grumping at her. <laughs>
0: um, so I guess, what was your win of the night? What was the one that made you happiest?
1: I think Alice and Janney, because she's a, a treasure. And the way she smirkingly was like, I did it all myself! And then was like, no, obviously not. And then I heard on the radio the next morning... Alison Janney said mean things and said she did it all herself and it's like you oh, did you do you understand people at all um but as as a West Wing fan mm. I love Allison.
3: I I'm going to say Guillermo Tour's director win like I know the shape of water had a lot of wins but the, this was the award the kind of individual award to him and I've just after uh, visiting the exhibit here at the Art Gallery of Ontario uh, at Home with the Monsters and, you know, reading some of his writing and seeing some of um, the, like, short speeches that were playing there. I was just so impressed with him. So I was just really, really happy. How about for you, Kay?
0: Oh, I mean, Guillermo winning Best Director might be it. I mean, for an evening that was not that many surprises. I think it was probably that. Jordan Peele winning for Screenplay as well. Yeah. Was just... The, a kind of moment that people will talk about in years to come, you know? They, they get why it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just how cool, calm, and clouded and funny he was in his speech. And then when he walked off stage and had that look on his face, was, oh, Jesus Christ, I just won an Oscar. <laughs> Him and Chelsea Peretti are the cutest. Mm-hmm. For a night that wasn't that surprising, it was just nice to get for the evening and go, that was good, you know? It's good.
3: Uh, I do think we should call out just one more win specifically a fantastic woman.
0: Mm, yes. Yes.
3: Which won Best Foreign Language Film.
0: Uh, it's the first time Chile has won that award as well.
1: Yeah, and the first time a trans actress is presented, I believe.
0: Yeah. yeah. Daniela Vega. Yeah. And Wasn't it just nice to see a film where it's about a trans woman and that role is played by a trans woman right. and not a guy in a dress sort of sighing in what he thinks is a feminine manner? <laughs> wasn't that nice?
3: I can't imagine who you're I calling out for this. I can't who
0: you're talking about. I don't know either. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, final tally for anybody curious. Uh, Shape of Water wins 4 out of its 13. Dunkirk, 3 out of its 8. I like
1: that the awards seem to be kind of spread out a little bit. I'm sad that Greta Gerwig and Lady Bird didn't win anything but she is young and there's still time. I'm happy for James Ivory.
0: That was very sweet. I loved that his shirt had Timothy Chalamet's yeah. face on it. <laughs> and when he mentioned his his late partner Ismail Mershon, it was like, "Oh, he's so cute."
3: I'm trying to see if any of the big movies were shut out. So like Lady Bird didn't actually win didn't win any of the categories. Right. Right?
0: Which wasn't really a surprise. I mean, if it wasn't going to win in screenplay. Yeah. Right. It wasn't going to win anything because for a while it felt like Laurie Metcalf was the front runner for supporting actress, and then everyone uh, that, remembered and that and they the, really liked *The West Wing*. The Janny knot happened.
1: Yeah. Phantom Thread got what exactly what
3: we expected it to get. I think you were a little surprised. I think you were thinking they wouldn't get it.
0: My I... worry is it was going to be like not to diss the shape of water, but be one of those things where they just ticked the right boxes for it. But given that. The sh- that Phantom Fred got as many nominations as it did, which was such a huge surprise to a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed a bit more certain. And Mark Bridges won his jet ski. There you go. And I bet Helen Mirren said you have to
1: take me out for a ride on it. But
0: you have to make her address as well.
1: Yeah. All right. So this has been episode 65, the O events of the past month. Anglo fees after a dark for once. That's <laughs> true. It's Monday night. It's been a long week. <laughs> it's only Monday. Lemon, it's Monday. No. Yeah. <laughs> and we will be back next month, sometime later, I think probably next month to talk about something else. A thing we'll talk about. Bye. <laughs> bye Kaylee bye
0: sorry I'm yawning
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to Anglofees I made a Fail production you can reach us on twitter at Anglofees you can send an email to anglofees at gmail.com if you enjoy the show please leave a 5 star rating and a review on iTunes to help other people find the show thank you
3: Alright, I suppose we better, since we're a little late.
1: Yeah. Metal counts. How many golds in hockey do you have? I'm about to hang up.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Don't think I would. (laughs) I'll tell you this, I still have more gold than you.
1: That is true.
3: We're gonna stop measuring gold medals and just gonna start measuring Scott and Tessas. How many Scott and Tessas do you have? Oh, none? Okay, then. We won some medals. You
1: did (laughs) win some medals. You won a gold. I'm
0: very proud of you. (laughs) I can almost hear the pat on my head as you said that.